The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I'm your host, Tim. I'm a certified sex educator. I identify as a chaotic homosexual. And does anyone know the cure to sex addiction? Because I've tried fucking everything. <laughs> but I'm... <laughs> So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, well, not just sex addiction. I think the, there's a whole bunch of other problems that can arise in the bedroom, right, David? Like, not yeah. just being like a horn dog. <laughs> I'm going to steal that joke. That was a good one. <laughs> go ahead. It's yours. Thank you. Thank you. I will take no royalties whatsoever. Okay. 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 <laughs> So uh, I have here uh, David Khalili, a licensed marriage and family therapist, but don't take my word for it. I'm going to let David introduce himself to us. Hi, Tim. Yeah, no, thank you for, for having me. It's, it's lovely to be here. Um, yeah, my name is David. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, a board certified sexologist, and I run a group practice in San Francisco, California, where we focus a lot on uh, anxiety around sex, gender, and sexuality. And so we do individual sessions, uh, partnered sessions, multiple partner sessions, and group therapy. And we just try to help people feel less shameless, shitty about themselves and who they are and how they like what they like. Oh, so are most of your clients like queer people? Yeah, queer people, first generation folks, BIPOC folks, uh, people that have like an awareness of the multiple identities that they hold that may not interact so well, or, you know, they may be like doubly marginalized or doubly discriminated against and so they're both trying to like hold all right how can i be myself and how can i be myself and who i am and my wonderful self and also like how do i set these boundaries with people so that they don't be shitty to me i like saying the word shitty a lot i've gotten some some shit from therapists for using that word they're like it's not <laughs> no, clinical enough it's, please yeah. <laughs> like i will be so insulted if you don't swear at least once okay on that's show. good yeah <laughs> you mean to tell me queer people are not sexually adjusted that well right <laughs> You would think that we're so proud of ourselves, we'd be so free of shame, right? Right, right, yeah. It's so accepted and welcomed and, yeah. Right. Why is it that uh, it's mostly queer people that are so, like, hiding shame? Or maybe I'm just, like, pulling that out of my ass, but, like, you know, uh, what is it about queer people that need specific attention when it comes to sex therapy? Yeah, I think um, a lot of, I think, and I know, and I've, I've seen in, in my research and readings that, like, you know, a lot of the the advice and the guidance and the, the research is based off of, like, white, cis, hetero, middle-class, able-bodied folks um, who don't who don't have transactional sex, right? That, that's another piece. There's, transactional there's a, sex? Like, that's, with money? That's a very, like, sex workers. Yeah, they work oh, okay. sex workers. Yeah. <laughs> that's the very academic way of putting it. That's the... Um, there, 
I'll jump a little bit. There's a researcher, her name is Gail Rubin. She talks about the, the charm circle and mm -hmm. the charm circle is people who have sex in the like, uh, Western approved ways. So heterosexual only for procreation, not for money in a marriage. And those are the, like, the protected class. And then people that are outside of that are known as the, in the outer limits. And those are the folks that, uh, their privileges are taken away based on who they are and how they like to be. So those being like uh, queer people or people who just have casual sex or something? Queer people, casual sex people, people who have sex for money, people who are uh, disabled, people who um, are lower class, lower sex socioeconomic class. Like there's a lot of ways that sex is policed and um, which is both so like literally weird. policed and yeah, right? that's so weird yeah. because it's like, I feel like that's, literally the majority of the global population right it's just yeah fucking around <laughs> and like anything with a pulse they just want to put their their body parts inside of it like yeah <laughs> wow that's a totally crazy. normal yeah human thing but it's yeah. very much policed okay so speaking of normal because i have um this issue when it comes to the term sex addiction and i want to talk about that mm. in a little bit uh but let's just rewind a little bit. I just want to lay some groundwork. Uh, what exactly is sex therapy and what does it aim to remedy? And how does that differ from regular therapy? Right. That's great. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a few ways that sex therapists can become therapists, sex therapists. There's some certification programs, uh, like ASECT or, um, ASECT is the big one. I got my master's in sexuality studies and then a master's in counseling psych and I've kind of combined those two and continue to do ongoing research. Uh, but you know, sex therapy, it's the big thing they like to say is, you know, it doesn't include touch, but it is kind of talking about sex and talking about both the acts of sex and also sexual identity and the identities and the politics around sex and sexuality, because that can just be wrapped up so much in how a person uh, is and how they're policed or discriminated against or welcomed or not. Um, and so it's both looking at like sexual functioning, like how do we help your dick stay hard? How do we help you stay a nice receptive partner when, when you want it to and, um, you know, when you're able to. But it's also about like identity and coming out and inclusion and belonging and politics and you know, it's many other things other than just fucking and fucking is wonderful and it's nice, but mm -hmm. there's also other parts that we need to look at in order to help people have good sex. Fucking is gross. Ugh, dirty. I know it's, it's nasty. goofy and it's real. <laughs> so much technicalities and mess and ugh. Mm. I'm but, a virgin. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Well. No, but there's some uh, things you should know. There's some things that you should know about me. Right? <laughs> never had sex in my life. Never seen a penis. Not even my own. <laughs> no, but like when it comes to sex therapy or uh, rather like sexual problems, the first thing that I think of is the inability to get and stay hard. What are some right. other sexual problems that can arise in the bedroom besides erectile dysfunction? Yeah, uh, premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation, pain during sex. What's he right? No, sorry, my <laughs> face. Premature ejaculation, that can be considered a, a psychological thing? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I thought that was because, more of a biological, physical thing. Well, it, yeah, it absolutely could be, but it's also like anxiety can impact, can cause premature ejaculation because of just this overstimulation. Oh, and and then there's this release. You know, there's kind of like a overwhelm, and then and then a release. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, so it's working on the anxiety and working on slowing people down. Yeah. Ah, okay. I mean, like, it's nice to ejaculate. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't see that as a problem because, yeah. So, oh, that's like, thing. yeah. Right. Like, for me, premature ejaculation sounds like, I don't know, does, does that mean that there is a normal amount of time required right. to have sex before you ejaculate? Like, that seems kind of policey to me. Totally. And so, I think that's the other piece about sex therapy or just therapy in general is, you know, we are looking at like, what is the person coming to us with and how are they talking about their problems? Like if, if for them, it's really affecting their sense of well-being, being, you know, having an issue with premature ejaculation, the way that I would work with that is I would assess what that meaning is for them. Like, why is it such an issue for them? Why does it hold so much power and shame or anxiety that they prematurely ejaculate? Uh, and then B, I would work on normalizing it. And I would work on identifying other ways that they can get off, other ways that they can feel sexy, that they can get pleasure, they can give pleasure. Um, that's my other big thing is like, is it actually a problem or is this a moral panic sort of thing that you were told that you shouldn't do this or be like this? Is it affecting other people in your life? And what are some other ways that you can diversify your repertoire of, of getting off your sexual you know I mean? arsenal like, your tool belt yeah, of yeah. fuckery <laughs> oh the tool belt of fuckery that's fuckery. a good title <laughs> your uh horny constellation uh-huh That'd yeah <laughs> no because like that, that's what i mean right like when mm. we talk about sexual behavior as normal quote unquote right what is normal right because right. everybody experiences sex differently like I don't know. For me, it takes me 30 minutes uh, of sexual intercourse and I can only come during ejaculation and it takes me like half an hour until I come. And then for for me, that's normal. But I mm-hmm. guess for someone else, that would mean a delayed ejaculation. Right. So like, you know, how, how do you uh, figure out whether there's a problem present or not? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's the, the big question, right? It's like, is it a problem for them? And what are they basing that problem off of? Like what, what belief system, what moral system, where are they coming from? Um, Cause yeah, it could be a big problem, big source of shame for someone. And I've talked to people who, you know, they can't come for 30 minutes and it, and it racks them. They're upset, right? They want to, they have an idea of that they should be able to come earlier. And, but it just depends on that person. And so what it is, is then working on reducing the pressure from themselves. And we're looking at like, what's the, What's the underlying thing that's going on in their lives that's telling them you must these come shoulds. now? You should right. be able to get hard, right. stay hard. You should whatever. Exactly. It's yeah. The guy. It's like uh, get hard right away, stay hard for a long time, and when you come, you come a lot. That's those like, yeah. the three pressure points. Oh my god! So how do you go about like pinpointing the underlying cause of something so broad and so like abstract? <laughs> The, the origin story of their, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, so it is, it's, well, there's two ways to go about it. One is like, it is trying to identify what's the cause of the underlying issue. And I'm a firm believer in that. And some therapists kind of focus on the here and now, but for those that look in the past, like I definitely think it's a lot of exploration of like, okay, 
So that's a narrative that you have. That's a, a belief that you have. When did you first hear that? Like when one of my first things that I do with people either in, in individual relationship or group therapy is go around and say some of the messages that they've received growing up, either directly or indirectly about uh, sex, about their gender, about what it means to have sex as, as their gender. Like what are the pressures that they've taken in growing mm. up? Mm. And then that gives you an idea of like what your belief system is and what your value system is that's informing this. And then, and then we take a step and we're like, okay, so that's what you got going on. Do you still want to carry this? Are there certain parts that you want to like take away, edit, add? You're, you're an adult now or you're a human in a different form or right. you know, this is a different version of you. Uh, you get to choose. So it's looking at what belief systems and then trying to challenge that if, if necessary. Um, oh, heavy. Because <laughs> that's what I'm, yeah. I'm going in therapy right now, David. Uh -huh. like, I'm going through like my childhood and unpacking oh, my see. childhood trauma. Yeah, um, I've been open about this on the pod, so it's not going to be new to the listeners. But I am currently in therapy for an overwhelming sense of worthlessness, and mm. I feel that that can be a th or that can translate into the bedroom, like yeah. uh, where I just zone out or something. Okay. Where, I, where I just like am not in the moment and then I don't know, I get soft sometimes because I thought about, yeah. uh, I don't know, my uh, teachers uh, doing like awful stuff and like punishing me and, you know, for, yeah. for having a bad grade or something like that. Uh, not true, but you, you know what I mean, right? As in, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, does that mean that? I have some sort of sexual anxiety, like when I'm just dissociating, because that doesn't feel like anxious to me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, there. So there's a dissociation that sounds like it's happening, right? A tuning out, or an, and so then it would be like, okay, what is encouraging that tuning out? What what's going on right before that happens that that kicks in the gear? Is oh, it like, like you're trying to pinpoint to the trigger. Exactly. Yeah. Cause that's, wow. there's information there, right? Like there's yeah. information that, um, something came up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. I got to figure out what comes up <laughs> whenever I do that. I mean, there's also the fact that I spent four years as an escort and, uh, mm. that was my way of trying to find my sense of self-worth, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, the only way I can be, uh, deemed as a worthy human being is if I am a fuckable human being and I might as well capitalize on that. So I'm going to try to get as many clients as possible and dollars equals worth. And I'm right. like, yeah, holy shit. Mm. <laughs> so that's what I'm undergoing in therapy right now. I'm glad that, yeah. And I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad that you have that, that process, right? It can be really, really helpful to unpack that. And it can be really tender and, um, it can be exhausting at times and it can be yes. wonderful at times. And yeah. Sex is exhausting and wonderful at times. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. God damn. <laughs> so premature ejaculation, uh, sexual anxiety. Are there some other things that can mm. arise? Yeah. yeah. Pain during sex. Cause that can be related to either trauma or that can be uh, anxiety causing the muscles to really tense up and mm. not allowing for uh, being a receptive partner. I, I do consider like dissociation a part of like sex anxiety because of, and that can be a, a variety of reasons. Um, and then beyond that, it, you know, it can also look like avoidance, like not wanting to date or not wanting to fuck because you're not wanting to hit that issue. Right. Um, 
or it can be like um I don't know, I have a love hate relationship with the term hypersexuality because it does have like a yeah it feels you know very I mean? police and puritanical and just like right something coined by prudes right right like what makes it hyper and I still use it because I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing it's just like okay there's more to it that would make it bad or make it impact you or have a negative effect than just it being hyper but that can be a result of anxiety it's right like, so. To, yeah, so thank you for segueing me into the next part of this conversation, mm-hmm. which is hypersexuality, aka sex addiction, aka mm-hmm. compulsive sexual behavior. Right. So I guess we should just stick to hypersexuality, uh, just as a umbrella term. So right. okay. with hypersexuality, I have a problem with that because, like I previously said, it feels very policey and it's it's like it feels like it was coined by prude sexual researchers who are like you're having too much sex that's weird and my my take on this is that i don't believe that hypersexuality or compulsive sexual behavior is real mostly because i don't believe in pathologizing human sexuality because it feels almost puritanical to label something so natural such as mm-hmm. uh, sexual behavior as a disease. So it, it like brings up this question of where does the person stop and where does the disease begin? So mm-hmm. Great. my question that I want to lead into is, is it actually a real thing, sex addiction, hypersexuality, or compulsive sexual behavior? Yeah, this is like a, the, a great question and an ongoing question of like, what's the line right yeah. who gets to say what that line is and my my firm belief is and it's not even that binary it, you know i was going to say my firm belief is that the the client or the person gets to say but then again we then look at okay what's informing them and like did they were they raised in a highly religious household mm. it, the bar was it would not be that high for them to go into the realm of hypersexuality right mm. or like mm. addiction or whatever and so again, we look at okay, what's what's informing them? What's telling them that this is bad? Like, I I was raised Catholic and Muslim, and the Catholic part of me definitely got messages that like sex was bad, sex was masturbation was bad, sex before marriage was bad. Um, I was told and, if I masturbated, I'd go blind. <laughs> like no, right? <laughs> but how see. can I watch the porn? <laughs> no, I want to see all the dicks. <laughs> and so we look at you know. How is it causing a problem for you? How is it causing a problem for you? How do you define that? I'm not going to say, okay, just because you skipped out on work a couple of times to fuck or to masturbate, I'm not going to be like, okay, stamp your problem now. But we just look at the larger picture. Like what's going on to cause that? Then we look at, okay, what is the sex being used for or what's it in service of? And is there other ways that you can get that just to, again, diversify your, your repertoire? Mm -hmm. Um, Because what if, for whatever reason you can't have sex anymore that would make it really hard to cope with anxiety or cope with whatever you're using it to cope with oh uh, okay so that's the only point where it becomes a problem is like when you use this whether it be a substance or a sex you use it to not only feel more good but to feel less bad yeah and that's one way that i define it right and the, and again it's not then saying okay therefore it's a bad thing. It's just like, okay, we're just understanding what's your relationship to sex and what's it doing for you. And does it still need to be that way? Are the, you know, some, some guys that I work with that 
you know, the way they put it is like, I want to look at my relationship to anonymous sex. That, that approach, I'm like, great. You know, cause then it's not this guide of, we're not forced to look at do more or do less. It's just like, we're just looking at it and we're exploring what's, what's it doing for you. Right. So what does a healthy relationship with sex look like? That's a really good and hard question to answer. <laughs> you know, I think, it, you know, you get to define that, right? Right. What are some of the ways that we can use, like, I, I guess a better question is, uh, what are the green flags to look for when it comes to our relationship with sex? So I think it's like knowing yourself, knowing your your needs, your boundaries, what you like, what you don't like. You know, uh, Emily Emily Nagoski, who wrote "Come as You Are," love that about, book. Love yeah, it. yeah, amazing. And one of my one of the things I really like about that book, among many 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 things, is that you know you have your accelerator and you have your brakes, mm-hmm. and it's really important to know both. We sometimes people will know one or the other, and so it's just really to go back to what's a green flag. It's like really having an understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing it, uh, and if it's still fulfilling your needs. I really like, there's a, um, a sex therapist in San Diego, his name is Doug Braun Harvey, and he talks a lot about out of control sex behavior. And the way that he works on it is that he helps people identify what their values are for themselves and then works on, okay, is all these things that you're doing, does that match your value system? And I love that approach only because, mainly because we're not telling them what their value system is. We're not telling them why they should be doing it. Or it's like, okay, here's we're guiding you to understand who you are, you, and then you decide. And I've done really wonderful work with that. And you know, people that I've worked with have done wonderful work with that because it doesn't go into the shame of like, okay, I need to repress this feeling. This is bad. This is bad that I want to fuck. This is bad that I like anonymous sex. This is bad that I like this porn or whatever. It doesn't go that way. It's like, okay, why? Why do I like that? And then... You go on from there. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Yes. Hey, you sick motherfuckers. I've got a special treat for you. Need a new toy to spice up your sex life? Head over to loveshop.ca slash sexedmonton and get yourself a cock ring, a dildo, a vibrator, or even a life-sized sex doll. (laughs) Damn, I guess love really does come in all shapes and sizes. Get 15% off your entire order when you use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout. They're shipping to all of Canada and the United States because North America is horny. That's loveshop.ca slash sexedwithtim and use code SEXEDWITHTIM for 15% off your entire purchase. Happy orgasm! Do you like feeling sexy and looking sexy? Of course you do. Only my listeners are sexy as fuck. I have partnered with fetishwear designer Dale Kuda to bring you the hottest deals on custom jock straps, harnesses, hats, and more. Head over to dalekuda.com, that's D-A-L-E-K-U-D-A.com, and use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout for 25% off the entire store. Yeah, you heard me. 25% off. And cherry on top, free shipping. Oh my god, <laughs> I have a few of the stuff that he has made for me, and 
girl. I'm wearing it right now. I'm wearing like a little jock strap so that I could easily just like slip a little butt plug or dildo every now and then here and there. And I'm on the train. I'm just like, uh, 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 thank you, Dale. <laughs> That's dalecuda.com with the code SEXEDWITHTIM for 25% off your entire purchase with free shipping. With a deal like that, I swear I could come buckets, honey. <laughs> the show is about to begin. Yes. What are the ways in which we can embrace the parts of ourselves that we're so ashamed of? For example, uh, watching too much porn, or we believe is too much porn, mm -hmm. when it's not actually a problem. Like I watch porn once a day. And I masturbate once a night just to get myself to sleep. And then that's great. But some people would see that as problematic. And I feel like being fed that message would start to seep into my psyche and think, yeah. oh, my God, that's a problem. But I internally believe that, you know, that's normal. So how do I get to that sense of, like, embracing that it's okay for me to masturbate once a day? It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so it's um, challenging, questioning, being curious with the other end of that statement. It's a, you know, masturbating every night is a problem. Why? Why is it a problem? Who says it's a problem? What does it impact? Does it? Mm. And for some people, masturbating every night means that when it comes time to be with their partner, they're not really able to be fully present or be present in the way that they want to because their libido is not as high. And... So we look at ways for them to adjust that. And again, it's not me saying this is the number of times that you masturbate. It's them figuring out their system. Um, mm. But yeah, we, we're looking at like what's informing that belief because it can be such a, I don't know, the way that moral panic works, it makes it so certain and undeniable. It Sex works in absolute masturbation. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so harsh. Like, sex is bad, and is, but like, sex feels so good. What right? about it is making it so bad? I don't get it. Right. Why, why was it so policed? Why is it continuing to be policed? Right. So it's up to the individual then to interrogate those beliefs then, if yep. they believe that it is causing a problem. Right. Okay. Right. Because nobody can do the work for you but you. Exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> can I just pay my therapist to cure me of all my anxiety? I, I, <laughs> please. Yeah. Oh, please, for $140 an hour, it better be worth it. <laughs> okay, so those are some of the green flags. Like uh, being aware of the roots of your problem, the roots of your sexual problems, and mm -hmm. knowing that sorry, not sexual problems, but rather sexual behavior, mm -hmm. uh, and just having this good, cohesive relationship with the parts of you that are affecting your sexual behavior. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And just having like a clear understanding. Well, yeah, that's awesome. Perfect. I'm um, a therapist now. <laughs> there you go. Stamped. Yep. <laughs> now, what about the red flags? When can we start seeing these problems, or rather, what are some of the things I should look out for that could cause sexual anxiety or hypersexuality, mm -hmm. quote unquote? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want my caveat of like, you know, it's a case by case basis. Mm -hmm. You know, this mm -hmm. isn't me naming it for other people, but just kind of things that I look for and um, can be looked out for. 
um, you know, some of the big ones would be like um, excessive worrying or worrying a lot about, so in the anxious part, it's like worrying a lot about like performance or how the person, how they're going to look, how they feel about themselves, how they think other people are going to see them. It's like the social anxiety piece. Um, so a lot of like churning around in your head of like worries of, you know, I'm not going to be big enough. I'm not going to be hard enough. My partner's not going to like me. Those type of worries, like it affects the self-esteem. Uh, dissociation or just not being totally present can be a piece. Um, you know, a hyper-focus on like, you know, guys that have a concern around ED or erectile dysfunction, they get they can get really hyper-focused on their dick and how hard it is and how fast it can get hard. And then obviously the or not so obvious to some is that that will kind of almost guarantee anxiety and guarantee that it's not gonna perform or you're not gonna get as hard as you want because it's just that that pressure, right? And then, you know, again, it's like the um, making decisions that you later regret and then you later regret it because- It doesn't align with your values. Yeah, mm. yeah. But not because of like what you've been told you should or shouldn't do. Uh, I've done that way too many times where I walk out of a guy's apartment like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. He had an air uh -huh. mattress. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been I the first myself red flag. I wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> I told myself I wouldn't do this again. Mom would be so yeah. ashamed of me. <laughs> no, but like, uh, there have been some times where I did feel that, like, that shame of coming out of a hookup because it didn't align with my values. So I have to ask myself, why did I do that? Like, right. I, I, I guess I can tell you this, David. He's not going to know, but like, one of my fuck buddies is like an out and proud Republican. Uh -huh. When we have sex, he leaves Fox News on the TV. Okay. <laughs> and that is so completely opposite of my values. So is is that like me projecting something or like what what's going on there? Hmm. Uh, not to make it into a mini therapy session, but like uh, just as an example, like, you know, yeah. having sex that's contradictory to our own belief system. Do you, do you want to ask your questions about this? Yeah. Like why would someone or me do something like uh -huh. that, have sex uh, with this sort of willful blindness that like, right. I know this isn't the right thing to do because it's so against everything I believe in, but I'm still going to do it. Yeah. Why, why is so that? I think, yeah, I think the tab, you know, I think of taboo, like taboo is very sexy. Like, um, there's a great saying by uh, a guy who ran, ran up, this is going to sound really weird, a guy who ran a breakfast shop in uh, in New York City. He said, it, it's like putting your dick in a uh, banana split sundae. You're not supposed to do it, but it feels really good. Very and American pie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes, and I, I can also see like a excitement or a power differential in there, or like you have power over the, the Republican fuck buddy because of um i don't know if he's out or or whatnot but that he's can out. be okay yeah yeah um he's strange about it but that's a different uh -huh. conversation but yeah, uh -huh. yeah there can be you know there can be lots of reasons to kind of hit the edge of taboo or what's not supposed to be I, i'm curious if like are you tuning out the fox news while it's playing yes. or <laughs> yeah <laughs> whenever Do you I try to tell them like hey can we Turn it off. Try no. MSNBC or no. <laughs> Actually, I'd rather have no TV at all. Just I know, like, I'm kidding. Why can't you just keep the house music like bumping, please? And yeah. like, yeah. I've told other people this and they're always like, Tim, why? But I'm like, 
I'm fucking his dick, not his politics. <laughs> Are you <there>? Okay. <laughs> so you can get focused. <laughs> but, like, so I guess for me, that's not necessarily a problem, is it? Mm-hmm. Because it, it, even if it is so contradictory to who I am as a person, uh-huh. is it just really just the taboo nature of it that's making me feel, like, attracted to that act? Yeah, and there might be more to it about who he is as a person, what he reminds you of, what you're... Maybe he's, like, really into a certain type of sex act that you're not really able to try out with oh, other people. God. Maybe Let's not make this daddy issues now, David. Oh, okay. my God. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think there's so much more to it than just, you know, him being Republican and having a dick that, like, there might be more to it than that. And that, that's the big piece that we can look at and be like, oh, okay, that's the big... Um, discrepancy or the big gap. Uh, um, he is nine inches, so he keeps saying big and like pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's not and, something to be ashamed of then. Totally right. Not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and there's also like, there can be sexiness and conflict. There can be a really like allure and attraction and wildness in, in having a different set of beliefs or, you know, like um, hate fucking you know, is a, is a yes. term, right? And there can be a lot of like intense energy in that. Uh, so that could be part of it. But again, I don't, I don't want to say I know. No, yeah. no, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah. The thing is, it's not even considered hate fucking because we've said, I love you to each other. Oh. Sweet. Yeah. And so like, and it's weird. It could just be like, <laughs> to me, mm-hmm. even though it's genuine. Friends. No, yeah, no, it's just, it's like, it's genuine that I actually do care about this guy, even though he's so diametrically opposite uh, politically. Like, he believes yeah. in something called reverse racism. And I'm like, got it. But I still want to have sex with you and I care about you so much. Like, I, mm. I went to this guy in the hospital. <laughs> like, oh, uh-huh, wow. Yeah, you do yeah, care. Yeah. I do care, right? Yeah. So, am I fucked up? The answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I will accept no other answers. <laughs> In the loveliest way possible. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So um, I want to uh, go back again to what I am still so on the fence of, which is uh, compulsive sexual behavior, because mm-hmm. I find that as, um, like, or rather sex addiction, I want to define what exactly makes something an addiction. There's a few ways to define it. Like the, the, like the very um, like singular way of defining it, the big way of defining it is the, the, the physical addiction where you go through the withdrawal and like the chemical dependency sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but with like sex or food or things like that or work, you know, it, it's more of the way that I think of it becoming a problem is, you know, I, I can have a very addictive relationship to work and I can get really irritable and frustrated if, if I'm not doing, doing a work project that I want to work on. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a problem to me. That's like, okay, David, come on, really? You can't fucking stay away from work for a day to, you know, do you're working so like a 16 hour day or something. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, looking at the um, potential problem in the relationship is if you can't get access to it, does it cause a lot of distress? Can you cope without it? And again, just because you say yes, doesn't make it a problem because that can mean lots of things, but it's trying to kind of build, fill in the picture of, right. you know, yeah, no. um, 
attachment. Right. Because the reason I have a problem with uh, sex being called an addiction is because, uh, like you said, uh, the lack of access to it makes you feel a sort of anxiety. Because I, when I picture addiction, I picture uh, like um, alcohol, uh, food, uh, yeah. drugs, right. which are all easily accessible. But like sex, that you, you can't just like you know, pick up a random stranger on the street to get your fix in the middle of the work day and then go on about, right? I mean, I can, uh-huh. but <laughs> I work in the financial some, district, right, so. Uh-huh, right, it's plentiful, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of closeted men for me at my yep. disposal. Uh, but yep. you know what I mean? It's like, it's not that same kind of access that we get from like drugs or food or alcohol. So that's where I have a problem with sex addiction being called an addiction, Unless that's how yeah. the DSM defines it, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I've talked to people where they're they're very rigid in how they define sex addiction. You look, it's almost like they, um, they feel like if you look at porn more than once a whatever, and that's the problem is like others define it for you, like, and it, and it the definition changes all the time. You know, what is too much porn? Is it multiple times a day, every day, once a week, once a month? People have confessed to being addicted to porn when they've looked at, you know, once a month, but that's more of just a thing about their morality and like what, what is about how they were raised. Right. Right. So really this whole kind of conversation with sex being an addiction, it's just like, it, it makes me so unsettled whenever I hear, Oh, a therapist that specializes in sex addiction. And I'm like, Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Really? Is that a real? Uh-huh. Uh, you, you know. You know what I mean. Uh, like yeah, it's hard yeah, for me yeah. to explain, but like you know, it, it feels almost as if you're trying to cure something that doesn't need any sort of cure. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah like again, who who makes it a problem? Who considers it a problem? Right. And, and I've I've come across that issue of like how do I? And I don't even know what's on my website now, but um. I go back and forth. I mostly stay away from putting sex addiction on my website, but I also Mm -hmm. know that that's what people look for. And then it's like the, it does feel like a trap in a way because then they come to me and I'm like, but also let's look at another way. It's not a really addiction. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) but on your website right now, it does say compulsive sexual behavior. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what are the signs uh, to look for when it comes to CSB? Yeah, again, it's like um, just a, a a big focus on getting sex, having sex, you know, avoiding um, other responsibilities because, because of it. And again, it's like your own responsibilities, mm-hmm. a lot of fixation on it, you know, going against your values, um, going against your commitments or agreements, kind of having a, a secrecy to it. I think that's also a big integrator is like there is there a shameful and, and you know, they define what the shame is. Uh, secret life and then why are they having that secret life is it because they know that they're going against agreements or because they are um, policed for who they are mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. are they closeted or are they just cheating on their partner and right. um, going against agreements is vi- a violation of boundaries considered part of uh, this hypersexual behavior CSB it can be yeah. it can be because, like, I don't yeah. want to just diagnose every single guy that exactly. <laughs> flirts yeah. my way and says, oh, my God, you're a sex addict. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> and that's yeah. the thing is like, we're not looking at one thing and being like, Oh, there it is. Now you're a sex addict. And again, what that title, but we're looking at like a group of things that the person is doing, you know, mm-hmm. how do you go about, how do you go about remedying uh quote unquote sex addiction? I would ask them to um, the piece that they're trying to understand or adjust. So like, um, it could be opening up Grinder, and not just because Grinder is bad, but because they their relationship to Grinder is going to anonymous sex, and they don't want anonymous sex. Uh, but Grinder sucks so bad; it's just a bad. It app. does. It's not. Ugh. I know. There's it's a poorly designed app. <laughs> <laughs> From a user design standpoint, <laughs> but like, anyways. <laughs> no, but yeah, the the main uh, purpose of Grinder is to have anonymous sex, as we have all established as a culture. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> and so then it's looking at okay, let's slow down that that moment before and try to understand what's happening for you. And even if you pause for five, ten, fifteen, thirty minutes, that is different than what you were doing before. Like, I used to smoke. I loved cigarettes. I dream of smoking cigarettes. I, man, I want a cigarette right now. I don't just mean that. to trigger you with my e-cig. oh, how dare you! <laughs> How dare you, Tim? <laughs> no. Mm. Oh, that's sweet nicotine. I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> I get it. I stopped smoking when I was 16, so it's been... <laughs> yeah, right. No, there's, um, there's an old John Waters um, pre-film clip where he's like, you're not allowed to smoke in the theaters anymore. And then he pulls out a cigarette and lights it and smokes it. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Isn't it a shame? Um, but what I, the way that I would work, that I worked on trying to quit many, 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 many times it took me, but was to just slow down the the time that I had my craving for a cigarette and then mm-hmm. the time I actually had the cigarette. Um, and so it would be the same thing. It's like, okay, when you're craving dick, then slow yourself down and be like, okay, is it because I actually want to fuck or is it because I'm not feeling so great and I want to avoid that feeling? Oh my God, avoidance. And, oh. and, but I also want to say that like, just because you're avoiding a bad feeling and using sex to do it on its own doesn't make it a bad thing. It's we're looking at patterns. Yes. I wanted right? to say that because it's like avoidance in itself is not necessarily a negative thing and using sex to sate that fear is yeah. not necessarily, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. No. You yeah. know, but like, it feels like we have like painted it in a negative light. So right. We isn't like we as a people, you know, and I don't like that. Yeah. There's a, a blog post that I did called Using Sex to Soothe, and it talks about how sex is a wonderful way to soothe many things. Mm-hmm. And just because you're doing it doesn't make it a bad thing. But when you should look at it, is it, again, if it's a pattern, if it's your go-to, if it's the main way that you are soothing, just like anything else, just like mm-hmm. gummy bears or it's my go-to. Or drugs. You know, it's like <laughs> gummy or bears. drugs or whatever. Yeah. Skittles for me. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. my God. So, okay. Uh, sex to use as a self-soothing mechanism is not necessarily a bad thing, but if it starts to get in the way of your life, where it's like you're skipping out on meetings and you're saying goodbye to friends or like you flake out on your obligations, that's when it becomes a little bit of a problem where it's like, "Mm, let's take a step back and see what yeah. the fuck is causing us to <laughs> open up grinder or scruff or whatever and just uh-huh. like find the nearest stick with you and just go oh man must suck if you're a bottom with a sex addiction because you got to be clean 
24-7. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of fiber pills. Yeah, you have your Metamucil and your Purifermin with you at all times. <laughs> Eat absolutely nothing. Develop an eating disorder. <laughs> mm, right, right. Oh, my God. No, that would suck. Okay, so it, so it is very important to look at literally that split second take a step back and look at that split second between yourself and like the moment that you, you start to feel that urge or that craving and see uh, what is it so worried about or why, why are you resorting to this? Is there something that you're scared of? Is there something that you're uh, afraid of trying to, it's, it's normally a source of anxiety though. Is that correct? Or, you know, um, you mean a, as what they're avoiding or what they're moving yeah. away from. Yeah, yeah it could yeah. be anxiety or depression or grief or trauma. Hmm. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, That's I why mean, it's, it's a really, yeah, it's complicated, right? That's it's why so the, complicated. The people that say the, yeah. this binary absolute thing about sex, I'm like, I don't, I call bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Know you. I mean? There's so yeah. many, yeah. There's so many things because sex is, is so, like, complicated in itself that, like, there's no yeah. way for us to police or to make it like this binary language of like sex should be this, sex should be that. And it's like, mm, <laughs> I don't know where to put sex in my life. <laughs> Is it good? Uh-huh. Is it bad? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's up to the individual. The positive of that is then people can take that, the, the, the taboo-ness and, you know, the moral um, stamping of not good or, or of a bad and then making it sexy and kinky and fun and kind of reclaiming it as their own use of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Ah, thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> pleasure. We always forget about the whole pleasure aspect of things. Right. Because, uh, like, when we talk about sex in a therapeutic standpoint, we're like, um, are you using it to avoid? Are you using it to soothe? But, like, how about just use it to feel good about yeah, yourself? you just feel good. Yeah, and that's right. perfect. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and why can't we talk? Yeah, there's a great book called Pleasure Activism that talks about mm-hmm. access to pleasure and who gets access and how it's policed. And, um, it's a great book because it is. there's a lot to it. And people sometimes think it's a very simple thing. But mm-hmm. sexual pleasure is very much policed, especially if you're not, uh, like, a cis-hetero guy. Mm-hmm. Cis-hetero uh, white guy, yeah. Oh, that's a slur on the show, David. Cis, oh. hetero, straight, <laughs> what? <laughs> Ew. Uh, so really the only way to, uh, I guess not so much recover, uh, that word feels a little too medical to me, but the only way to be at peace with the parts of your sexual self is through therapy. There's no sort of like medication or anything, is there? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's self-exploration in whatever realm that could be yeah okay perfect so i do want to get into some listener questions here i've got two uh this one first one is from instagram uh hi tim thanks so much for your show love it got a question for you i'm unable to create and maintain strong relationships with gay men i find it easier to hook up with them than to date them is that wrong? Is there something wrong with me? Yeah, that's um, a common question that I hear, like whether it's gay men with other men or, or men with other men. I run men's groups and a big part of that is it's helping with the loneliness and isolation because they're able to kind of have this facilitated space to to talk together and be open together and practice vulnerability. 
it sounds like it's a problem to this person because they're bringing bringing it up or they've been told it's a problem and and maybe it's a problem for them because they are longing for that type of emotional intimacy with other gay men that doesn't involve sex um and so i would ask them like why does it feel like a problem to you what do you feel like you're longing or missing by not having this what what would it be like and then exploring different ways that they can oh sorry exploring different ways that they can try to be in those circles or in in settings where there's opportunity to have more kind of hanging out with other gay men and then trying to explore what that's like for them like in retrospect was there anxiety was there yeah yeah i feel for this uh listener because i too have a problem with creating and maintaining strong intimate relationships with other gay men I know why, though. <laughs> and uh-huh. It's because a lot of the trauma in my life is caused by men, you know? Like, right. I was molested by a family relative. I was raped by my first boyfriend. I was drugged by a stranger at a gay bar. So it's very hard um, for yeah. me to create all those, like, um, totally. those strong bonds. But I'm just assuming... That yeah. that didn't happen to this listener. So, uh, mm-hmm. are they just like afraid of creating strong, intimate relationships just because? It could be, yeah. I mean, it could be something that doesn't show up in other parts of their lives. Again, it's hard for me to know based on this part, but um, yeah, like, does it show up in other parts of the life or just men and and why men? Is it because is it because of trauma or is it because of um, lack of practice, you know, lack of practice of relating to other men. Because you just see them as a sexual uh, goal or an object rather than a fucking person. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what? Men are people too, as much as I hate to say it. (laughs) I I know. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Uh, I think we have time for uh, one more question here. This comes from Twitter. Uh, hey Tim, I'm a top and I'm in an open relationship with my husband, but for some reason I can't get hard when I have sex with other guys. Is that mm-hmm. erectile dysfunction? What's wrong? Yeah, I I would um, start to think of that as the, the technical term would be like psychogenic uh, erectile dysfunction or you know psychological erectile dysfunction. So it's not. Like physically, he's able to get hard, right? He's getting hard with his husband. He's getting hard while he masturbates in the morning when he wakes up, all that good stuff. And so then it's a situational, psychological, erectile dysfunction issue. Um, and again, then it would be breaking down, all right, what's happening for you that's amping up that anxiety in that moment? What beliefs do you have of yourself that you need to stay hard or get hard right away? Or that maybe maybe also uh, something that I've been talking to with some guys is, maybe you're not a one night stand kind of guy and that's okay. Aww. Maybe you, maybe you do need that like warm up emotional and that time together. Aww. Right. Maybe. <laughs> and, and then they're trying to do the, the one night stands or the hookups and they're just not able to get hard or be present and they're beating themselves up because they have the standard that they should be doing this. Mm-hmm. And I say, like, well, maybe that's just not you. And that's not a that's problem. Fine. That's right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just, and it's better to know how you work right. and accept that than try to, square peg round hole sort of thing right because for me i've had this like change in my sexuality uh when i was younger like early 20s i can fuck anybody just like 
anything with a mm. hole, anything with a pulse. Let's go. Every hole is a yeah. goal. Come down. <laughs> but now, as I approach my 30s, I feel that in order for me to have the sex that I want and the sex that I believe is good sex, I need some form of emotional intimacy there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can have a one night stand, but at least like talk to me or something, you know, don't just like, mm-hmm. don't just avoid eye contact. Tell me right. like, I'm fucking you really well. Tell me how you receive yeah. me, you know? And I believe that emotional intimacy is a huge part of uh, great sex. That's just my personal belief. But maybe this listener might subconsciously share that belief too, where they need some sort of emotional intimacy and they can't do the one night stands anymore because he has a husband. Yeah, there's something going on that's that's making it um, difficult for him to get an erection, and so that could be needing more intimacy. It could be um, slowing things down a bit, letting his nervous system come into play. Like typically, we need the parasympathetic nervous system to kick into gear to to stay aroused and get aroused, and that's the what's called the rest and digest. And your heart rate goes down, your muscles are relaxed. Um, you know, there's a Do production your of saliva. Square breathing. You know, inhale, exactly. hold, yeah. uh-huh. exhale, yeah. hold. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> and then, but the you know, anxiety kicks us into the fight or flight, which then impacts being able to get hard. For the most part. Right. And so it could also be, okay, maybe he's anxious just because of a variety of reasons. And so if if we look at the physical symptoms of anxiety, maybe that'll allow him to be more hard and present. Mm-hmm. Present and hard. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the hardness is a present. <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah. I get it. I have tried to get hard inside a crack house. It is close to mm. impossible. <laughs> this guy literally shot up yeah this guy literally shot up right in front of me right before we had sex and i'm like damn i'm very uncomfortable right now so let's Uh see how well i can do this (laughs) well and then the other piece that i would say to to this guy is what other types of sex can you have that doesn't involve your dick and what what other types of exactly (laughs) non-penetrative yeah right like yes dicks are wonderful there's lots of nerve endings it feels wonderful but there's also you know a lot of the rest of you available your entire you know, body is a sexual your entire body palace, yeah right exactly yeah it's a wonderful what is that the other uh, a smorgasbord of delight was the term yeah. I used. you know it just so there's other parts so i would recommend also looking at what are some other parts of your body that feels erogenous? Is it your neck? Is it your nipples? Is it your ass? Is ear, it your shoulders? Back of your is knee, it your Yeah. Your armpit. Right. Gays love an armpit. So, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a whole topography, a whole map to explore. Yeah. So try to try to go away from that rest stop. Go away from that that old vacation spot that you go yeah, to. Yeah. You know? have a whole sexual charcuterie board right in, at your disposal. <laughs> I think that's such a great way to end uh, this conversation (laughs) that it's up to you to figure out what works for you, what doesn't, and embrace those parts of who you are. But uh, if nobody got anything from this conversation, David, do you have any like uh, parting words of wisdom? I just really love it when people have community and and find, you know, uh, the people that they can really feel like they're themselves with. So I, I hope people can can have that that's my um very warm ending is you know Yay. i just i like community i love people for the most part there's some assholes out there but a lot. um yeah <laughs> a lot, yeah 
but you know all know these your can, people know your know tribe your, yeah. exactly know your people know your <laughs> tribe and to parrot that platitude it's gonna get better <laughs> uh, <laughs> it will get better uh yeah. david uh do you have anything to plug please make like a butt and plug away anything that you want the audience to find <laughs> um yeah, so my my therapy practice is uh, Rouse Relational Wellness in San Francisco in, in California. And so uh, we offer therapy services in, in San Francisco in person or in California uh, on the, the, the web. Um, but we also do um, educational workshops. So one is that I have a, a workbook called Sex Warriors, a Mindfully Queer Guide to Sex and Anxiety for Men. Uh, and it's a workbook that you can go through and on, at your own pace and a, figure out how anxiety impacts you in particular, and B, how to work on that for yourself, and then C, how to talk about it with a partner. Um, that's on rouseacademy.com. And also what's there is some other workshops around sex anxiety, uh, both how to talk about it, and then also um, points of focus like uh, survivors of intimate partner violence. And um, I'm going to be doing a workshop soon on uh, working with queer men. Perfect. Thank you so much, David. And for anyone that didn't catch that, I will put that all in the show notes. Thank you so much for making Thank you, it. Tim. Thank you so much, David. You are amazing. Yeah. This is wonderful. This is really sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And to all the listeners that made it this far into this chaotic ass conversation, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Sex with Tim podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And I will see you at the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at Sex Ed with Tim. You can also like and follow me on the Sex Ed with Tim Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah!